Welcome to the Back to the Bricks podcast, a new podcast about sports, faith, and culture. I'm Justin. And I'm Nick. Close friends turn mid-major rivals. Join us as we venture back to the Bricks. Welcome back to the Bricks. We're going to jump into the biggest sports documentary probably in a long time, if not the biggest one ever. I mean, it is 10 parts, Nick. I mean, do you remember a sports documentary ever being 10 parts, five nights, two hours a night? It's like a 30 for 30 on steroids. Oh, it's like you could put this in a movie theater and people would sit there for 10 hours. It's crazy. But Why didn't they do that is my question. <laughs> well, you can't do that right now, obviously. So, you know, you, you know, make a great g- point, Justin. They're giving the people what they want, you know? I mean, LeBron asked, asked for it. You got to give it to him. You got to give it to him. So, obviously, we're talking about The Last Dance. We're talking about the Michael Jordan documentary, which is kind of the Michael Jordan documentary, but more of, the, of that last bull season um, with some Michael Jordan flavor added to it. I mean, they talk about Dennis. They talk about Scotty, Phil. They talk about – I mean, they talk about all the guys. But, I mean, I guess if you put Michael Jordan attached to it, it's going to – it's going to be big time, Nick. So that brings me to last Sunday night's episodes. Um, I got into some heated debates with uh, some, some – one was a Pistons fan. One was, you know, a guy who loves old-time basketball. So talking about that Pistons brand of basketball where they fouled Michael whenever, wherever, however, whoever, um, and they didn't care really how they did it or what they did. Is that basketball, Nick? I mean, I personally think that that's just them not being skilled enough to beat the Bulls, and they had to come up with another way, a Bush League way, as I like to call it, a Bush League way of of trying to beat them instead of just beating them straight up. Yeah, absolutely. The first thought that came into my mind, Justin, was high school basketball, which I know you're a high school basketball coach. But what happens when a team is underskilled, undersized, Justin? uh, What do they do? Normally we sit and play zone, but they couldn't do that. So they try to slow the game down, right? They slow they the game it. down. Yeah. In the state of Ohio and in most states in high school basketball, there is no shot clock, right, Justin? So what happens right. is the underskilled team probably goes zone, and anytime they get the ball, they're three-man weaving, four guards up front, just chucking the ball around because they yep. have no intention of speeding the game up. And I think that's the same kind of idea here, right? You know you can't beat Michael one-on-one in the open court you can't beat him on the block. You can't beat him in the lane. You can't beat him anywhere on the elbow, on the three-point line. You can't beat him anywhere, right? And so what do you do? You change your style. You make him do something else. And in this case, it was make him stay alive with a little bit of bullying. Ball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I guess you got to give it to them. They won back-to-back titles. And, I mean, I, they went on to win the NBA title, that NBA championship that year. But a little bit of me is just like, I don't – I just – don't still get the fixation with saying that 80s and 90s basketball was so great when teams Absolutely. weren't skilled enough to beat a guy that was more skilled than anything we've ever seen, you know? So, I and, and the, I guess it really pulls back to the argument of Michael withstood that, right? And everybody says that LeBron couldn't do it or KD or whatever. KD and LeBron are 6'10", 6'8", and 6'10". If you try to foul them, LeBron's going to put his – like go right through your chest and KD is going to going to make free throws all night so go ahead. So I mean I guess it's just I don't I don't understand the fixation with that with that generation of basketball. Yeah, the the athleticism is nowhere close and I 
I, I don't get that argument even in other sports, right? I don't get that argument in football either, right? It's not the same. I don't care what kind of pads, what kind of helmet, whatever, that you put these guys out there. I mean, put KD and, you know, Kobe and LeBron in their prime in some Michael Jordan originals, and they still would be way more athletic than any of those guys on the floor. Oh, goodness. Absolutely. I mean, those dudes are freaks. Just like MJ was a freak. Don't get me wrong. I, I respect what MJ did. He's unreal. Um, but they're all freaks of nature who would make it in any time period. MJ included would torch this time period as well just because of how competitive he is. So that brings me to the next thing. Um, you always hear that MJ did it by himself and that he did it. He was the guy who did it, didn't make any friends, didn't do any of this stuff. I mean, the dude didn't really do it by himself. He he came into the league in 84. He won his first title in 91, um, which means they drafted Scotty. They got Horace Grant. They had Cartwright. They had Paxson. I mean, Paxson won them that NBA final in 91 by – I mean, Magic left Paxson wide open, and MJ just kicked it to him, and he made like six threes. So what's with everybody thinking that MJ did it alone, Nick? I think it's the same thing you just talked about. It's the nostalgia, right? If if we don't go back and really dig deep into it and we just remember the greatest memories that play in our heads and in our dreams, then we, we tend to change that. And scientifically, you know, our dreams and our, even our real experiences change over time. So I think that might even be what it is, right? Because sometimes I think back to my favorite sports memories and then I'll, I'll pull out the highlights and I wasn't correct about them, right? I missed details. I missed who was on the floor. I missed those kind of things, right? And so I think, one, it's that. And two, I think you just don't want to acknowledge anybody else who was on the floor. I think naturally when you have a guy like MJ, you're going to have guys shading him when they're playing you, right? You're not going to get guys playing straight up five on five. And so with that, you're going to have open guys. And so I think you, even if you look at LeBron and I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to go down that, that argument, you know, LeBron versus MJ, don't that's take for another, there. that's for another time. But both of them, have people that have always supported them. And that doesn't have to be somebody crazy athletic and crazy great. But when you are consistently guarded by two or three guys and you are consistently the focus of the defense, other guys are going to be open. And in the National Basketball Association, most guys on the floor can shoot the basketball. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I pulled up the playoff numbers that year just because I wanted to dive in a little more to what we what we had. Scotty averaged 21 a game. He played more minutes than MJ. Horace Grant averaged 13, and uh, MJ averaged 31. Now, that's impressive. Averaging 31 points a game in, a, in the playoffs is, is impressive. But I bet if you compare, like, the Heat team that LeBron was on, I bet those numbers with D. Wade and Chris Bosh aren't much different than Scotty and, and Horace Grant there. So just the, the, the argument that he did it alone is a little ridiculous. And the fact that Phil had to change the offense for him to get other guys involved and then when that happened, they started to win because he was all numbers, all numbers, scoring titles, all this kind of stuff, MVPs. But that wouldn't get it done just as the same today. I mean, look at James Harden. That doesn't get it done. So you got to have other guys with you. you got to have a buy-in to the culture. And so the, the argument that he did it by himself, I, again, I find it a little ridiculous. So, Nick, we know on these documentaries, every documentary, every hero – Needs a villain, right? We had our we had our boy Joe Exotic, um, who was foiled by Carol Baskin. Now we have MJ, who has his arch nemesis Jerry Krause. All right, who is trying to break down this thing inside out. Some say he wanted all the credit. Some say he was he he saw the writing on the wall. Whatever it is, 
he is being made out to be a classic villain in this series. So with that being said, we've seen this before. Um, kind of with I'll go back to LeBron because these two are always mirrored together. Dan Gilbert kind of ruined the run of LeBron in Cleveland. And Jerry Krause r- ruined the run of MJ in Chicago. What's with these front office, these owners, these GMs always needing the credit and always wanting to be the guy in front instead of just reaping the benefits of what is being done for them? Well, you know, I don't know, I don't know the program listing of Dan Gilbert's height off the top of my head, but I was going to say it's usually what what uh, my mother taught me this phrase of short man complex, you know, and it's these guys who didn't have the careers themselves, right? And most of the situations, and I guarantee you that Jerry Krause is one of those people. Just looking at the man, that's no, that's no, you know, dig at him, but let's just be honest. Was said of him the, that that was that that was part of his problem, the short man complex. Absolutely, right? And so when you see a guy like MJ, even when he starts to rack up those titles, right, he's making money off of that himself, but it, at some point it's not good enough because it's got to be about you, right? And, and I, I've seen that in different ways and things like, you know, baseball for 12-year-olds, you know, and that, that's ridiculous, right, to make it about yourself. But it, I think this is just, again, that on steroids, right? You didn't get the fame you wanted as an athlete, and now you're going to take whatever – the spotlight is because it needs to be about you in some way. Even if you become the villain, who gets talked about the most? The villain. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he really got what he wanted, but he had to break up, you know, one of the greatest dynasties to ever do it um, to do that. And he's, he's remembered as a villain when he could have remembered, be remembered as one of the guys to help build that up. So that's, that's kind of what you're dealing with. It's kind of a two-edged sword for those guys, you know? If you go against it, then Mike, Michael and the Bulls are going to be remembered as great. If you go along with it, then you're right. You're probably not going to be remembered as someone who's a main cog in the story. So I get the, I get the you know, battle that they fight there. So I got to talk about NBA, which thank you. I've been fighting with Nick for, you know, three weeks to try to get me an NBA segment. Finally happened. So, Nick, fill us in. What's, uh, what's some big things that's been going on in the NFL free agency and, and kind of your draft reflections now after we have about a week to think about it? Yeah, so first of all, if you didn't listen to the Back to the Bricks NFL Draft Special, go back, check out round one. We went pick by pick, broke them down live, real time on our end, and then obviously pushed it out the next day. So go back and listen to that. It was some pretty good, pretty good analysis with our friends as well. One of the things... One of the main takeaways of draft night number one was quarterbacks off the board, right? We saw Joe Burrow go to the Bengals, obviously. Tua Tagovailoa go to the Dolphins. Justin Herbert to the Chargers. None of those things surprising. Then we see Jordan Love go to the Packers, which is hilarious. I'm going to save that. I'll talk about that later, Justin, because I can't let that go without discussing it because that was hilarious. But what we saw is we saw some teams make some moves after that to get a quarterback right we saw Jameis Winston sign a decent deal to go be the backup in New Orleans behind Drew Brees and flex player Taysom Hill so if you need a flex player in the NFL or in fantasy this year if if and when that happens put Taysom Hill in the, in the flex we'll see how that goes but all that to say James Jameis signed a deal that will pay him 1.1 million for the year 2020 with a $148,000 signing bonus and a base salary of $952,000. But he has as much up up to, excuse me, up to 3.4 million in available incentives. All that to say, Justin. A guy like Jameis Winston who had th- what we like to call the 30 for 30 year last year, not the ESPN 30 for 30, but 30 no. touchdowns and 30 picks including ending the season on a pick 6. I mean, that fantastic. It's the club you don't want to be in. 
It's, it's not the 30 for 30 you're looking for. No. Absolutely. But he, I think he still has talent, and a lot has been said about his vision, right? He got some LASIK done this offseason. The man can see now, so maybe he knows how many receivers are on the field. But first of all, the funny part is he's now on a roster with a man who he has completed more passes to the New Orleans Saints than. So he has completed 10 passes to the New Orleans Saints in his time, and Taysom Hill, the flex former quarterback, has thrown six completed passes to his own teammates. So, first of all, Jameis gets a good deal. I think it's very interesting of him to sign with the Saints. Now, a lot was said about him wanting to learn from Sean Payton, him wanting to learn from Drew Brees. Do you think that's the real reason, Justin? Or do you think the real smokescreen is nobody wanted Jameis? I think it's a, it's a little of both, in my personal opinion. I think uh, Jameis is at the point of his career where he's close to being kicked out you know, he's close to him and Mariota, who came in together, are close to being gone together. You know, they both are getting one more shot. I think you go to a place like New Orleans where Drew Brees is one injury away, and he is old. Um, love Drew Brees, but he's old. And he's old, and he's one injury away from being out for extended time, and you can step in and have a good year, you know. And uh, I I think it's both. I think he wants to spite. I think he's hoping that maybe he gets to play the Bucks. Maybe. I think that's a little bit of what he's hoping. I don't see it happening, but, you know, you never know. But I think it's a little of both. I think Jameis knows he's close to being gone. He wants to learn as best he can and then hopefully turn that and go somewhere and say, look, I learned under two of the best minds in the offensive game of football here. I, I'm, I'm better. I, I think I'm going to know what I'm doing a little better. Um, and then maybe be able to show it on the field, possibly. So I think it's both, Nick. Yeah, and I think uh, you mentioned it already, right? Drew, Drew goes down at a higher rate than some quarterbacks, right? He's been in the league a long time. He's getting up there in age. You know, he's not he's, he's not frail by any stretch, but he isn't, you know, the most fit at this point. And Pat McAfee, shout out to Pat McAfee. He's He does some fun stuff. You know, he talked about this the other day. He said, well, maybe Jameis goes, you know, and he gets the, the Teddy Bridgewater effect of last year, right? Ex essentially in the same in the same franchise. So really the Teddy Bridgewater effect in New Orleans, right? Play four or five games, play really well. Teddy played five games, looked pretty good, and signed a massive deal with the Panthers for up to $63 million. Yeah. I mean, if Jameis can turn a contract that's worth only up to three and a half, even with incentives, into $60, 70000000 million next year, look good, learn from Sean Payton, learn from Drew Brees, then you know what? Take your humble pie this year, Jameis. Learn some things, get your vision in check, and go be a quarterback somewhere else next year. Well, that's the – you said it right there, humble pie. I mean, if there's one thing about Jameis, or as he called himself in his Heisman talk, Jay Boo, as I like to say, um, he's not humble. Um, and, and Teddy Bridgewater was willing to learn, and he was willing to get better, and he was willing to take what Sean Payton gave him and not try to throw the ball 60 yards down the field into triple coverage to try to hit the big play. And I don't know if Jameis is going to be capable of that. I hope so for his sake. I want to see all these guys do well. I hope he's capable of doing that. But I don't know if he's humble enough to say, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to actually learn. If I get in, I'm going to do – I'm going to take the read that Sean tells me because he's a genius and, and, and have numbers like Teddy to go get that contract. I don't know if he'll do it. I hope so. I think there's a place in the league for him. But I, I don't know if he will. So, well, we'll just have to see how – you know, Winston takes takes all that stuff. So, Nick, now that we've had a, a week to kind of chew on the draft and stuff, who do you think had the best draft last week? It pains me a little bit, Justin, but I'm going to have to go with the Dallas Cowboys. I think 
when you're able to get a guy like C.D. Lamb at 17 in the first round, who in any other year would have, you know, maybe been the best best receiver on the board. He might have been even on some people's boards, right? And, and then you talk about like a guy like T. Higgins falls to the Bengals at 33, the first pick of the second round. And normally a guy like T. Higgins would go in the first round, probably top 15, top 20. So I think they got immense value at C.D. Lamb. I think what they also did is they enticed Dak to sign up to sign a contract, right? There, there's been some holdout there. Dak wants max money. And I understand that to a certain extent. There are a lot of people that argue whether or not he's worth that kind of money. But one thing you can do as a franchise and as an organization is say, here, we're supporting you. We just got you another piece of the puzzle. We just got you some more speed, some more talent, some more hands. Come back. Let's negotiate a little bit down so we can all save money and we can all make money by winning a title. Now, I don't think the Cowboys are going to win that title. I'll just say that right now. But I do think they actually have a coach, a living, breathing coach for the first time in years. So that's a start. So they don't uh, have the clapper. There's they don't have the clapper anymore. Go so get them, guys. Peace, rest in peace, J- Jason Garrett. But I, I think the, I think the Cowboys did great. They got C.D. Lamb in round one. They got Trevon Diggs from Alabama in the second round. And you know what? They they did kind of give themselves an insurance policy. They got Ben DiNucci, the quarterback from James Madison, the last round. Sneaky good guy in the middle of the the quarterbacks. And you know what? When you're in the James Madison program, you know how to win football games. You know, and there was a you know there was a quarterback who went to a small school that played quarterback for the Cowboys for a long time. So, and now he's an even better announcer. So, who knows what's ahead for the Cowboys? But I think they got really good value at all spots in the draft. They even got Bradley and I almost forgot about him, defensive end from Utah, who had to have been Mel Kiper's number one on his big board for literally two and a half hours on Saturday. So, th- there's definitely some value there. Not that Mel Ka- Mel Kiper's a genius. But there's definitely some talent there left in the late rounds, and they, they did a good job. Yeah, they had a solid draft. I, I think the addition of C.D. Lamb, I mean, if you're going to give a quarterback max money, you got to have young talent that's on rookie contracts, and that's what they have in C.D. Lamb for a couple years. And, you know, they, they're giving Zeke money. They're, they're going to give Dak money. Let's just come out and say it. They're going to sign Dak. They got a lot of money in Jalen Smith, my guy, recovered from that horrific injury. Um, so you got to have young talent and that's what they, that's what they gave them. And, you know, they're replacing their center, um, who, who retired. So they got a, they got a good pick that kid out of Wisconsin who plays there. Wisconsin linemen are known to be really good for, for a long time. So they had a, they had a decent draft. I think the Ravens also had a really good draft. I mean, the rich keep getting richer there. You got Lamar, you got a defense that was already rock solid and now you just keep getting better. I mean, being in the AFC North, good luck going against the Ravens because them and the Chiefs are going to be battling each other for what looks like a long time um, to come out of the AFC. So that's the best draft. Now going into the worst draft of the week, I think you have to go with the Packers. I mean, I understand that you have to pick the next quarterback. You don't have to do it in the first round when the highest guy that Aaron Rodgers has thrown to got drafted in like, the top of the second round. Go get a receiver in this deep draft class. T. Higgins, who got picked by the Bengals, was still there and is going to be really good. Pick him. Get somebody who's going to help out Aaron Rodgers in the window that you have left with him. You could have gotten Jordan Love or a guy just as good, if not better, than Jordan Love in free agency. Andy Dalton's available now. You could have went and got him. He's he's younger than Aaron Rodgers. There's plenty of guys you could have gone and gotten. There's plenty of guys you could have drafted and not been in the first round when you have a quarterback who's a Hall of Famer 
and needs weapons around him. So I think that's got to be the worst draft of the night for me. And I think the issue, the real issue there is they traded up for that pick. Like, who behind you was going to take Jordan Love? I mean, you looked at how the night unfolded, and after Justin Herbert went off the board at six, there was no talk of a quarterback. Nobody was, as far as we know, they weren't making phone calls to try to come get a quarterback, and we knew that the difference between Herbert and Love was vast. And even even then, I don't even think, you know, Herbert was within the top two, Joe and Tua. So I think there was one, two, and there was a big jump to Justin Herbert. And then I think there was a massive jump to Jordan Love. And and I, I don't think we can just sit here and do the Mel Kuyper. Well, he didn't have any talent, and he had a new offense coordinator. That didn't make you throw 14 interceptions in the high school musical theater league, okay? Like, you didn't play in a good conference, and you threw 17 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. But what kind of message are you sending Aaron Rodgers, who has publicly said, I want to finish as a Green Bay Packer. I think I've got four, five, six, seven years left with technology, science, all that stuff. And then you go get a young quarterback. You draft, you go up, you trade up for a young quarterback who's not proven himself. Yeah, he's got arm talent, whatever. He hasn't done it. I don't ever want to pick a guy, especially to be a quarterback who has not won at the college level. I don't think that makes sense. And so it's it just a ridiculously bad pick to me, and I think it just the not a vote of confidence for Aaron Rodgers, that's for sure. No, with advances in modern science, it's not crazy to think that he can play for, like, Tom Brady time, you know, like for another five, six years. So take one. There's going to be quarterbacks who are the same type of quarterbacks as Jordan Love come out that you can take next year or the year after. We talked about Ben Roethlisberger getting so mad a couple years ago. It's because these guys see the string dwindling away and their teams are not getting them guys who are going to help them win right now. And that has got to be frustrating. So, yeah, I, that's the Packers. Come on now. Get, get your Hall of Fame quarterback, somebody that's going to help him out. And I think to finish that thought, Justin, like go get Cam Newton, go get Andy Dalton, like you said, right? If you want a guy, one, to hold a clipboard, or two, to put some fire under Aaron Rodgers' belly to just play higher football, you know, to kind of stir that pot again with him, then maybe that's what you do is you go get a Cam Newton who could play right away if he needed to. He's been an elite quarterback. He hasn't been recently, but he was in a Super Bowl a few years ago. It's not like the man fell off a cliff. He's injury prone and all those things, and he's a mobile quarterback. But if you were looking for a guy to hold a clipboard, then you don't draft him in the first round, and you definitely don't trade up and go get him in the first round. With that said, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will talk about UFOs in the U.S. Navy. The Fellowship of Christian Athletes is touching thousands of lives in and around the city of Cincinnati. Since 1965, FCA has been using the platform of sport to reach co coaches and athletes at the professional, collegiate, high school, junior high school, and youth level. FCA is actively seeking to engage, equip, and empower coaches and athletes to unite, inspire, and change the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about the ministry of FCA in Cincinnati, visit their website at www.cincinnatifca.org. So, Justin, we see in the past few days, we've suddenly seen these images released by the U.S. Navy. Now, this isn't like some fake news media source, right? This is the Navy releasing images that they have of some unknown foreign aircraft of some type. Okay, it's UFOs, Justin. We, we are seeing proof from our military that there are UFOs and that we've had them on camera before we've detected them. Now, of course, I love the fact, 
I do love this about the country we live in that eventually after a certain amount of time, things are released to the public. I kind of appreciate that, right? Intelligence we've had, eventually we get to find out. So sometimes we find out things about political leaders and stuff that we didn't want to know and maybe taints our view of them, maybe as a certain president, I'm not going to say names, um, but there's three letters and you can fill in the dots. But but we just saw, we see UFOs. And I think what's crazy is if we weren't in quarantine, this would be the top news, right? But it's just like another thing that you scroll by on Twitter. Yeah, I, it blows my mind, especially like when I look at these pictures. I'm rocking my Star Wars shirt today, Nick. You know, I love Star Wars. You know, may the force be with you always. May the fourth coming up soon. You know, these UFOs look like Imperial TIE fighters. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look them up because they look dead on. And, you know, I'm here for it. If the galaxy far, far away wants to invade the Milky Way, bring it on as long as they bring lightsabers with them. Well, you know, we got Space Force now, Justin. So this ain't no joke. Maybe the president, maybe DJT actually had some knowledge we didn't know about. And so he's been planning for this. There's a thought. Wow. I mean, if you think about it. The problem is if they have the force and we don't, this it's gonna it's gonna go bad. I'm just gonna just gonna throw that out there. So we better I'm be gonna throw it ways. out there that I do not think the United States of America has the force, nor would we have the the um, network of people to get us the force if we needed to buy it. I don't really think that's a thing that we're gonna have at our disposal. I've been trying to use the force for years to grab my phone, land across the room, or like a remote, but it's never happened. So I don't think it's going to happen. I agree, Nick. But this is, it's wild that nobody is talking about this except us. So, you know, it's crazy that our country is in that kind of shape that we are not talking about literally UFOs, documented proof of seeing them. It's crazy. It's absolutely wild. Well, with that, Justin, let's let's kind of get into our rhythms. It's it's been a while here. We've had you know our draft special. And we had a lovely interview with Nick Hagelin. Go back and listen to those if you haven't, of course. Um, but what is the funniest thing that you've seen this week, Justin? So the funniest thing I've seen, I'll I'll go back to the last dance here, just because it's good and it's given us good uh, content. So Dennis Rodman is a national treasure. He's crazy. I agree. He's insane. He's somebody who, you know, none of us understand. And if we were in his mind, it'd be a very scary place to be. But he is hilarious. Okay. The guy, it, go back to this. MJ has logged all these minutes in his career. And he's without his sidekick, Scottie Pippen. And Dennis Rodman had the guts enough to walk into practice and say, MJ, Phil, I've been doing real good. Scotty's back. I need to go to Vegas and just do whatever the heck I want to do for two days. Like, this is what I need. Can you imagine being, <laughs> being Michael Jordan, looking at this guy being like, dude, are you kidding me? Have you, do you know who I am? And you're, you're saying you need a vacation. That's the funniest thing I've seen was that interaction of those two talking about the vacation. Nick, what, what do you got? You know, I was going to, I was going to also go with Dennis Rodman, but I've, I can't, I can't with the Jordan love thing. Like, honestly, the funniest thing I've seen to even as a non-Packers fan, which I'm not, to to see them trade up, you know, thinking, oh, they're going to go get a receiver for Aaron Rodgers, you know, and, and there had been some fantastic. Just take a quick glance on Twitter of some Packers fans, and, you know, as as Green Bay is, they are owners. Some of them are. So it's even funnier, you know, if you're like a point zero 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 one percent owner of the Green Bay Packers. And I saw a great one again, Pat McAfee's show. He had one of his friends on there who's a Packers owner. And, man, that guy was hilarious live. Because he was so excited that they were trading up. So, so excited. And he said, not Jordan Love, not Jordan Love, not Jordan Love. And then he just sat there. Oh, man, it was great. So look that up. But I, I just, again, you can't, 
you can't do what they did. Like, that's just stupid. Like, what are you trying to get Aaron Rodgers to do in response? And I mean, it's one thing. Again, if Tua's there, if Herbert's there, yes. Okay, fine. Go get your quarterback. But just, I mean, it was hilarious for me, but very sad for some other people. What about what about go to the week, Justin? What's the greatest thing you've seen? Going back to gifts that are funny with Aaron Rodgers, the one of him throwing the tablet on the sideline and then putting oh, up that they took Jordan Love. Classic. That's that's an instant classic. So go to the week. I'm a Browns fan. You all know it by now. At least I would hope if you've listened to the show. Um, but I got to give my guy Andy Love or Andy Dal- Andy Love. Wow, Andy Dalton some love, right? So. For years as a Browns fan, I've been saying, Bengals fans, if you don't want him, trade him because the Browns will take him today, tomorrow, yesterday, 10 years ago, right? If that guy wins the amount of games that he does in any other city and does the things that he does in any other city, he gets more love. But Cincinnati, I'm going to be honest, you are cruel to your sports heroes and you're cruel to the people who do things right in your city. Hot take, you can call me out, Cincinnati. I don't really care, but you are. And so the man needs love. He does great things. So many videos of him coming out with organizations and foundations and all this kind of stuff of good stuff he does off the field, not just on the field, because what's going to be remembered more, what happens off the field, and that guy loves people the way Jesus loves people off the field. And so that's that's got to be my go to the week, Nick. Who's yours? No, I'm going to go right there with you, Justin. I, I'm going to team up on Andy Dalton. And I, I what I loved about with, with him being released recently as we see – even the Bengals come out um, with several things on meet on their social media, just really praising him off the field and on the field. Right. And if you look at his stats, he, he's got some pretty gaudy stats for a guy that has been, has been said to be a game manager or a liability or just a mediocre quarterback. And again, I, I think your criticism is fair of the city of Cincinnati of Bengals nation. I think that that's fair. I think that if he, obviously he, if he's in Cleveland, this is a different story. And I'm, I'm willing to say he's, he already has had a better career and will have a better career than Baker Mayfield. So I don't really, really, I'm not really concerned about that. And I, I see you nodding your head as well. I, so I don't, I, mean, I agree. I agree. I mean, if we could get Andy Dalton today and start him over Baker Mayfield, please, I would do that. They're not going to, but I would take that, that deal. Yeah. And, and, as, as we've said before, I'm always in favor of a quarterback that has his head on his shoulders off the field. And so I, I'm not worried about a guy like Andy Dalton, one, finding a place to be, two, being an encourager in the locker room, and three, just as a person. So I'm not worried about Andy Dalton. I'm picking up Andy Dalton in a heartbeat. And, you know, as our guy Haglin said on the last episode, what if he goes to New England, Justin, and gets himself a ring? That'd be wild, man. I'd be happy for him. I'd be so you happy know, for him. I'd be all in on Andy getting a ring. Absolutely. I completely as far, agree. As far as uh, roasts go, I know you, uh, that you've got one queued up, Justin. What do you got? So the wife and I have been watching a lot of Game Show Network. So we love Family Feud. You know, we love – we watch Jeopardy and Will of Fortune. We watch the Power Hour every night, even when we're at work. We, we always make it intentional to sit down at 7 o'clock and watch the Power Hour. It's just what we like to do. You know, we're old people, Nick. So we, we do that. But this show, America Says – if you have not seen it, it is – it's ridiculous. They put literally the first letter of the answers on the board, seven of them, seven answers to this question they asked. They, they robbed from Family Feud, but we'll leave that for another day. They put the first letter up. They have a minute. Each person on the team gets to guess, and it goes round robin for this minute. And people say stuff that's not even – has a letter – that doesn't even have a letter on the board. 
You know, get on the show, quit your acting, go on there to win some money, and say answers that actually make sense. It makes us so mad. Actually, Melissa and I, we're not going to watch it anymore because it makes us so mad. It's such a bad show. Melissa and I won't watch it anymore, and you can hold us to that. All right? That was an animated response. I just want to say that for those of you that cannot see Justin, and this will be our first episode that will be video available. So if you like to watch us talk to each other virtually in the moment of quarantine and you don't think you can fully get the picture of the excitement on Justin's face, please check us out from that venue. Uh, For me, Justin, I'm going to have to go with myself. I'm going to roast myself. You know, I've been not a huge fan of Roger Goodell over the years, the NFL commissioner, right? But my man during the NFL draft was hilarious. And I thought he did a really good job of keeping it casual. I like that in the later rounds, he was sitting down, you know, (laughs) that was really fun. You know, I just like, I like that he's, he showed a different side of his personality. Yes, was he awkward at times with the Zoom fans and all that behind him? Yes, 100%. But there was no way it wasn't going to be awkward. But I think for the first time, he got to be a human. And I loved, Justin, I loved the fact, we talked about this, I think even on the special, that he was asking people to boo him. I thought that was amazing. Like, I just love the fact that the man's like, let's get some normalcy in our lives. Go ahead and boo me. Go ahead and, you know, yell at me. I loved that. I, I really really would give a draft grade of an A-plus to Roger Goodell. A-plus, wow. You know, the only fan base he didn't interact with in the first round was the Saints. Can't blame him. Those fans absolutely hate him. So, Nick, I like the roast of yourself. That's uh, that's that's high class right there. What do you got for our challenge of the week? You know, I think that one of the biggest things that's going to happen in this time frame, and, you know, and the beauty of the first, you know, eight ep- seven episodes that we've got a chance to do is that we're still in quarantine, right? We're still experiencing these things and we're still without sports. You know, NASCAR just got a, a new start date in May. Who knows if that'll happen with, without fans. The NFL is talking NASCAR, about, baby. NFL's talking about maybe playing on Saturdays. If college football gets canceled, I'm not confident either one of those leagues will happen, but that aside, like let's get back to, let's be real simple here. I want, I don't want people to die and I want to watch football. Like that doesn't, those two things don't go together. So please hear my humor in that. But do, your, do yourself a favor, do your friends and family a favor, and save us the football season. Let's just be real. Save us football, you know what, and then we'll be, we'll, we'll be all good after that. We'll save the economy. We'll save everything. Let's start with football. So you and your actions will decide whether or not we have football this year. That's my challenge, Justin. I agree. My family um, is so wild and crazy for football that it's not even funny, and so the fact that that might not be there really has uh, – some some big ramifications for my family. So, yeah, if you want football, if you want, you know, school to start, if you want all this stuff to happen in the fall, then we have all got to take the precautions that are being laid in front of us and not second-guess them and just do them if we want to. If you don't agree, we, we still need to do it, okay? And so let's just do it, and let's get back to life the way we love living this life, and that's together, and that's with sports. So, do that. If you're doing the right things, give us a shout-out on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Let us know those things you're doing and challenge other people to do the same thing. Um, that's back to the bricks. Thank you for listening to the Back to the Bricks podcast. We'd love for you to leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts, send this podcast to a friend, or share this episode on your Instagram story. We'll see you back on the bricks next time.